You're taking at least 19 cars off the road on a regular basis. That's right. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of First Crack. I'm your host, Garrick Van Buren. In today's episode, I am pleased to bring you a conversation with Kurt Fisher, the program manager for Our Car, H-O-U-R-C-A-R, Minnesota's first nonprofit car sharing venture. Um, he and I sat down at Nina's Coffee on Dale and Western in St. Paul. Um, great place, great coffee house, uh, fantastic neighborhood. As you can hear by in, in the background, um, it's very popular. Um, so please, please bear with me. There's some great stuff in the interview on, uh, on car sharing, what it means, who's a good candidate, how it works, and how it affects the community. With that, let's get started. Kurt, thanks for joining me this afternoon. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Excellent. Um, could you give me a quick overview of how the Our Car program is, how it works? Kind of a, an overview of car sharing as a, as a concept. Okay, yeah. Car sharing is, is kind of, it's a new concept to the Twin Cities. So one of our hurdles first is explaining what car sharing is and then, <laughs> then convincing people to join Our Car. But essentially, in a nutshell, the way, what, the way car sharing works is that an organization, we own the vehicles. So we take on all the responsibilities you typically are associated with ownership. We pay the insurance, uh, we maintain the cars, and you know, everything like that. And then uh, we situate these cars in clusters, and really from anywhere from one to three cars in what we call a hub in neighborhoods around the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And we'll be starting, the first neighborhoods we'll be in are Uptown, mm -hmm. Loring Park, and the lower town area of downtown St. Paul. What makes those the three first locations? Yeah, well, the things that we look for in a neighborhood, uh, you want to have a, a dense population, mm -hmm. but it's interesting, what you look for really is a dense, denseness of housing units, but you want only, ideally, you know, one or two people per unit. You think about, uh, I mean, what we're trying to do is give pe get people to give up owning their own car mm -hmm. and car share instead. And as people, of course, you know, get married, have kids, that sort of kind of thing, it's more problematic to right. not have a car if you're taking kids to daycare, et cetera. So, you know, it's usually single people. It could be uh, uh, older folks, you know, that are married, that kids are out of the house. They don't need, don't need, Maybe they go from two cars to one or from one car to zero and then they supplement the cars they still own with car sharing. But the idea is, I mean, the cars are in your neighborhood. So uh, when we, for example, one of our hubs will be in the Calhoun Square ramp. Okay. So we'll be marketing our services in probably, I don't know, you know, 12 to 15 block area around Calhoun Square ramp. And so the idea is people can take a 10 minute, five or 10 minute walk, bike or bus ride to the hub, mm -hmm. get in the car. Uh, after they become a member, uh, they make a reservation on the car by phone or at our website. You can reserve it for as little as an hour. You know, up to six hours would probably make sense financially. And then when the time comes, you just go to the hub. You've got a uh, electronic key fob. It's a little, you know, a lot like the key fob you might have today if you own a car where it has the panic button on. And, the, and okay. the, it's just something like that. And, and there's a reader that's on the on the windshield, ah. very small. So that when you res time for your reservation, you walk up to the car, you hold your key fob from the outside of the car, you know, up near this reader, right. and it recognizes you. It unlocks the car and significantly also enables the ignition. So then you're ready uh, to go. And so that, that, I think, explains why you're, you've chosen the cars that you have, because those are um, the, the Toyota Priuses, is 
they don't have a key associated with them as, as a right. traditional car would. You, we could make this work with any car, okay. but uh, yeah, but you're right. The, the Prius has got, I think actually they call their device a fob also, so that'll be somewhat confusing probably, but <laughs> and you just kind of stick it in a slot in the, okay. inside the Prius and then hit a, you hit a button that says start and that's how that car goes. Right, right. So, but you just do your business and you bring the car back to the same spot, you know, the hubs, the cars are kind of, have a home hub. Oh, okay. But like you can a, drive. Like a parking right. space They'll be dedicated dedic to them. Exactly. There'll be a sign there dedicated to our car so you'll have a space when you come back and then you just lock up and leave and then there's a there's a black box kind of on the car that does two things. It controls the security that I just described. Mm -hmm but it also uh, tracks the miles and the hours for okay. each reservation or each trip. And then that information is wirelessly transmitted to us. Okay. And then, so you don't have to do anything, you just walk away. Each month you'll get a bill that has every trip that you made on there, mm -hmm. how many hours the trip was, and how many miles you drove. Fantastic. And uh, the billing is by the hour and the mile, essentially. Okay. So, well, there, is a, there is monthly dues also. Right. But, because I have that, I have that fob with me at all times, whether or not I have a reservation. That's right. Once I become a member, I get that. That's right. Okay. And it is. It's important to realize it is a membership program. You can't just, uh, you know, walk up and use a car. And, <laughs> you know, you have to go through a insurance screening process. Right. We look at your driving record. You have to have had a had a valid driver's license for at least five years. Okay. Things like that. Uh, but once you're approved and you get the key fob, mm -hmm. then you're set to go. Then you you basically uh, are good for life. Uh, there is, I mean, I did, there is also there's a hundred and fifty dollar one-time application fee, okay, and uh, that covers the cost of processing the application, doing the driving record search. But we do, uh, we are offering a, because it's a new program, and we think it's going to be. We've got a lot of great information on our website, but it, there's still, I think, it's going to be tough for people to really get a sense of what this is going to feel like right. without actually trying it. So if you decide, you know, you join the program, pay your $150, and you decide after you're in it for a month or two that it's not going to work for you, it's not what you expected. Mm -hmm. If you resign within 60 days, we'll give you $100 of that $150 back. I was wondering about so. that because the, uh, the car share in Evanston has a similar sort of, here, try it for eight hours over a month. If yeah. it fits, then let's keep going. If not, you know, no harm right. to follow. I think trial, getting people to try it is important with car sharing right. because it is new. Right. It's, it's going to be, it's a different way to think about vehicle mobility, you know, that of course the advantage of owning your own car is it, it's sitting right there in your garage. <laughs> right. Anytime you get the urge to go somewhere, it's there. Right. The disadvantage, obviously, is you're paying for all of the paying in insurance in the and, yeah. and lease and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so car sharing, I mean, it's not, uh, by no means are we ex expecting or planning to convert, you know, half the Twin Cities to car sharing. It's, right. it's, it's, it's a fairly small niche that it works for. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the largest nonprofit in the U.S. is called City Car Share in San Francisco. Right. They've been around three plus years, you know, and I think are considered very successful. They have 4,000 members. Mm -hmm. now, that sounds nice. I'd love to have 4,000 members in the Twin Cities, yeah. but that's a tiny, minute fraction of all the Twin Cities drivers, you know, so yes. we're not looking to have uh, half of the Twin Cities car sharing. It's just usually, I mean, the, the, the kind of the criteria we tell people where it, it might work for them. You need to be able to get to work if you if you don't work at home or what if you you know if you go to a job, you need to be able to get to work some other way than in your own vehicle, because car sharing doesn't really work for commuting. You know, right. Because you're, you're paying by the hour, wouldn't make sense to be paying for that eight hours that the car is just sitting there outside your office. Mm -hmm. So if you can bus to work, bike to work, work at home, carpool, vanpool, any of those things, then it's worth a look. 
use the um, use the car share for uh, yeah. weekend errands. That's like right. That. That's right. Mm -hmm. And especially in the Twin Cities, I think there's there's a category of folks because, in my opinion, our transit system is quite weak around here and getting weaker. It seems like every year. Right. Uh, it's pretty tough to live totally car-free in the mm -hmm. Twin Cities. There's a lot of inconvenience involved. You know, if you want to go across town to plan out a bus trip and do the transfers and all that, it's tough. And taxis can work for some trips. Um, so a lot of people, I think, they keep a car, even, even if they can or do bus to work, they still keep a car because it's right. just so inconvenient to meet all of their needs without a car sometimes. Well, this way, with car sharing, you can meet those needs that are best met with the vehicle. You think about that Saturday trip where you're, you know, a three or four hour deal where you're making two or three or four stops. Right. You know, a bus is horrible for that. Taxi doesn't really work for it. You really need a car. But you can get rid of your own car, join car sharing. For those trips that really need a car, you've got our car to meet your needs. And for any other trip, I mean, the way we like to encourage people to do it, car sharing is not the best option for every trip. Right. Think about, you know, if you give up your car, you've got the bus, you've got the bike, you've got walking, you've got car sharing. Taxi might well be, if you're, if you're going to the airport maybe, and, uh, uh, you know, a one-way trip. I mean, actually light rail now would probably be the best for that, but, but certain trips, taxis will be better. And right. uh, certain, certain trips, uh, conventional car rental will be better. Our, you know, we charge by the hour, and after you get up to probably eight or 10 hours of our car, just economically speaking, you're going to be better off with a conventional rental car. Right. So we're not by any means saying that use our car for all your trips. We're saying add it to your mix. Right. Give up your car. You've got six or eight mobility options. Think about which one's the best for each application. But I think with, but there's no question in my mind that for some trips, car is best. Right. There's just no way around that. Yeah. And so to get people to give up personally owning vehicles, Car sharing is the answer to that, I think. It fills that gap. Give me a little history of uh, our car in Minneapolis. This has been like a three-year process. Right. I think the, the Neighborhood Energy Consortium, uh, someone approached them with the idea. They had heard about car sharing. This was just an outside individual said, oh. look, maybe this fits with your mission. Maybe you ought to think about investigating it. So they did start looking at it, researching it, talking to other car sharing organizations. And then a couple of years ago, uh, in May of 2003, they hired me. At, at that point, they got serious, let's do this. And they hired me to write a business plan for the program and do all of the, kind of to spearhead the planning. Other people have been very involved in it also at the NEC, but I was kind of the driving force to do the planning to get us to the point to when we're ready to take reservations, which we will be uh, hopefully at in, in May of this coming up here in 2005. Fantastic. And to this point, you've secured but three, just over $350,000 of funding. I think the grand total, yeah, I think that's right, external funding. Mm -hmm. um, about 60% of our startup money is from the federal, couple of federal grants. Yeah. We also got a grant significantly, I think, from uh, the St. Paul Foundation. Mm -hmm. We got uh, a, a grant or an allocation from Hennepin County. Because um, they recognize the value to their residents Absolutely. in Loring Park and Uptown, at least to start out. Uh, the NEC kicked in a significant amount of its own funds, just out of its own money, made a, a pretty big commitment to the startup funding. Mm -hmm. 
and the state of Minnesota also, the Office of Environmental Assistance, I believe it's called, the OEA, right. they gave us a chunk of money too. So if it was nice, it was from you know state, county, federal, private, internal. Absolutely. It's a nice, diverse set of funds that, I, that represents, I think, people recognize the value that car sharing at least potentially has for the Twin Cities Such community. a wide range of people saying, yes, this is a good thing. Right. Um, so we have uh, that, chunk of money, that chunk of funding to get you off the ground. Um, at what point do you foresee um, the, our car being self-sustained or like all transit, will it, do you foresee it to be continually subsidized? No, we, we specifically, our goal is for it not to be continually subsidized. It's been planned from day one mm -hmm. that when we get to about 500 members, the pricing structure and the cost structure is such that we'll be break even. Right. And then if we get beyond 500 members, we'll be making money that'll be reinvested in the program. I mean, this is a nonprofit program, so there's oh, no nice. shareholders to enrich or that sort of thing. <laughs> I can mean, have the next Enron be our car share yeah, program. I mean, our goal is just to keep, you know, keep uh, building the community benefits of it. So Fantastic. to the extent we're in the black, uh, I mean, we could reduce rates or we could buy more cars, we right. could go into different areas. We could expand to Rochester or St. Cloud or Duluth. The way it's going to work is we've got six cars, and these are all 2005 identical Priuses except for the exterior color. But um, Six of them are supposed to be delivered by May 1st, and then we're going to get two more per month, June, July, and August. So by the end of the summer, we'll have a dozen cars on the road. All of these, uh, the three hubs you talked about before? Uh, probably not. We've got, we've got the three neighborhoods identified now, but where the... Those are, those are where the six, the first six cars will go. There'll okay. be two in Uptown, two in Loring Park, and two in Lower Town, St. Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, the second set of six, it's undetermined wow. at this point where they're going to go. We, we'll start taking applications here, you know, in the next week or so. If and we see kind of uh, where the exactly. member demand is. Exactly. I mean, if the two cars we have in Uptown are just overwhelmed with demand, then mm -hmm. we'll add two more there potentially. Or, right. Uh, if we're not overwhelmed with demand anywhere, then we might start a hub in a different area. There's some interest. We, we would like to get a hub along the light rail line. Mm -hmm. uh, along, the, you know, it'd be great to be near one of those stations. Right. That's uh, along Hiawatha. Along I understand that's how the um, the city car share in Oakland and San Francisco is. They're kind of placed near the bars. That's right. I mean, the more we can integrate with existing transit, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think, you know, a, a hub that's near a light rail station, right. then not only can it meet the needs of the folks and businesses that live in that area, but now somebody, uh, you know, there's a huge development going up at the end of the light rail line near the Mall of America. Yeah. People that live there could potentially join our car. Right. Even though they're several miles from a hub, there may be a 20-minute light rail ride for one, and so it can make sense for people all along the light rail line. Right to join our car and they've got access to that light rail line hub. Take the so, uh, take the train into downtown, pick up a car, drive it around, take your right. errands and then take the train back. Exactly. Very nice. So we really want to, I mean, and it's, it, other studies of other programs have shown that when, that when car sharing comes to be in a town, people use transit more. Mm. You might think it's the opposite. And I think in, initially, you know, I think the first chunk of people that join may be folks that are, have been totally carless and been suffering or committed to being carless, have <laughs> been suffering with our transit system for years. And so they, I think, will join, ah, at last I can satisfy some of my needs with car sharing. Exactly. And that probably will, to be perfectly frank, take some trips away from transit, mm -hmm. put them in vehicles. But longer term, uh, as people, I think people that own cars, they'll consider joining our car when 
their car, they have to put in a have a big repair expense, or they just need to buy a new car. Right. That's the point in time. Then they'll start making a judgment. All right. Now, do I want to shell out money for a new car? Do I want to spend two thousand dollars repairing this heap, or do I want to think about our car? Right. And you've so, got a, uh, a calculator on the website yes. that can walk them through that process. Both those both those scenarios. Either people that already own a car and they want to compare their current costs mm -hmm. to what their their cost would be under car sharing if right. they, they can put in their own assumptions for the number of trips per month and that sort of thing. Or people that are contemplating either buying a car or joining car sharing. Right. Those two are kind of the two basic scenarios. Yeah, and you can put in your own numbers and see how it works out. Very nice. Uh, tell me about the, uh, the decision to go with the Toyota Prius. Well, we're really excited about the Prius. I mean, uh, the reason, of course, as a nonprofit that we're interested in doing car sharing is because of the community benefits. Right. And even not counting the Prius, what car sharing does, it kind of capitalizes, it's a win-win, it capitalizes on human nature in that you know, it, it puts the costs of driving on a per-trip basis. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, you think about it, you know, like for example, we're gonna charge roughly $5 an hour plus 40 cents a mile. Okay. So somebody's gonna go on a three-hour outing on Saturday, they're gonna sit down, geez, this is gonna cost me $20. Right. And they, which is gonna strike them as a lot of money, which $20 is a lot of money. People don't think of driving their own car that if they sat down right. and, and allocated the insurance and the lease and all that, it's gonna be more than that, but of course that's not how people think mm -hmm. of the cost of driving the car that they own, but it is how they'll think of driving in our car. Right. So consequently, there's a strong effect. People drive fewer miles after they join car sharing. Huh. And so there's lots of community benefits of that, less traffic congestion, less emissions, less gasoline used, et cetera. And those effects are gonna be uh, exacerbated or expanded because we're gonna use these Priuses. It's kind of common knowledge and because Toyota markets the Prius based on their high gas mileage. I mean, right. they, they use people are driving a Prius even mile for mile will be using less gas. But what's less well known is the emissions from the Prius are incredibly low mm -hmm. compared to an all gas car. I mean, if you look at the spectrum of gas car, electric car, the Prius is way down here near the all-electric car. It's, right. it's incredibly low. So there's going to be two effects in the Twin Cities because we're using the Prius. Just because people are driving fewer miles, better air quality, less right. traffic congestion, resources conserved, and then those are doubled or quadrupled because we're using the Prius, even less emissions per mile driven and less fuel consumed also. So it's a kind of a double effect in the Twin Cities because we're using the Prius. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, the one thing that comes up, the question that comes up in, in, in thinking about the Prius, well, we are here in you know, central Minnesota here, and though the winters have been relatively mild, right? You know, is, is there a question of reliability in, in snow and you know, 20, 30 below temperatures with this electric yeah. car? Yeah, good question. I mean, Toyota tells us that they uh, have had zero problems with the battery. I mean, they, these cars have, haven't been on the market all that long, mm -hmm. so, uh, but based on their experience, they warrant the battery for 10 years. Okay. And they claim that they, I mean, the, I think they started making the Prius, I wanna say uh, 2000, 2001, but they basically have seen no data points where the battery needs to be replaced. Wow. And, uh, you know, they're selling mm -hmm. them in cold climates. People in Minnesota have been driving this, this new redesigned Prius, this is the second model year, so they came out in 2004. So people in Minnesota, you see them around, yeah. and uh, they have no reported problems with the cold weather. Or, Great to hear. Uh, the battery is a, uh, you know, 
doesn't have the car doesn't have to be plugged in. Mm -hmm. It's a self-charging system, which, which is really uh, innovative. I think it basically it's they have what they call a regenerative braking system. Mm -hmm. When you brake, uh, that charges the battery. The and and if need be, if that doesn't do enough to keep the battery charged, then the gas engine will run and also charge the battery. Okay. So I've driven one, you know, and I think if you drove one for a day, you'd forget that it's even a yeah. hybrid. Yeah. You get used to the fact that uh, you know when, when you're driving in town or come to a stop, the gas engine doesn't run at all, and so it's extremely quiet. <laughs> you have to get a little bit accustomed to that because you, you think the engine's died, <laughs> uh, but of course it hasn't. You're right. just on all electric. Can add other vehicles that that one time or two times a year where I might need to haul something? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, we, we definitely are very yeah. interested in that because yeah, we're, we're starting out because uh, the Prius is such a great car and, and also to be honest, it simplifies things for us if we only have one car in terms of maintenance. Oh, and Southwest uh, Air model, right? We got yeah. one plane. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so to ease you know our, our entry into this business, mm -hmm. it keeps things a little simpler. But there's definitely a demand, and it would be great to offer some vehicles that have different kinds of functionality. Right. And everybody, I think, or a lot of people have a need for a small pickup two or three times a year. So we'd love to offer that. If someone comes out with a hybrid, we would jump on it big time. And I, I'm sure they will sooner or later. It's just right. a matter of time. But even if somebody, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hybrid. I mean, we're looking for any car that, that we feel has gets efficient fuel mileage and low emissions. Right, going um, back to the community. Exactly. And the effects on the community standpoint. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we could, I mean, sure, people might want to, you know, a, a suburban right. might meet some people's needs, but we're not, we're simply, we're not going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. So, it's not going to meet your needs if that's what you're looking for. Right. But if we can get, you know, high mileage, uh, clean car of any type, we'd love to add it to the fleet if it'll, it's in demand by our members. On the unfortunate chance where one of these gets into a wreck or, or an accident with, with our car handling and the insurance, how does that affect the members, the drivers? Good question, yeah. Uh, we do pay for the insurance. The only thing we ask the members, mm -hmm. uh, if there's damage to the vehicle and uh, you know, if, the, if through the in insurance adjustment process, that the that the insurers the insurers include conclude that our member is partly or wholly at fault. Okay. Then the member is committing to be responsible for as much as five hundred dollars ah. to repair damage. But that's that's the extent of it. All so right. if the car gets totaled, um, their limit is five hundred dollars that they're going to be responsible that's to contribute. That's quite remarkable. Right. And so it. You know, it's a big relief that they don't have to pay for, for car insurance. Right. I mean, that's incredibly expensive. It's expensive for us. Mm, I can imagine. I, yes, we want to insure all our members. Yeah. <laughs> I th hopefully, we're hoping that, that the cost will go down over time. I mean, uh, car sharing is fairly new to the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's been in Europe for decades, but right. the U.S. insurers don't have a lot of experience with it yet. So I that's think they're I naturally wary in the... Yes. Hopefully the premiums will come down over time. I don't, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any significant problems. You know, you'd be, I think, I mean, our car is not a co-op, but we want to kind of inculcate that mentality. And I think people will recognize that, you know, the only reason we're running this program is to meet your needs. We're not trying to make money off of it. Yes. So help us, you know, take care of the cars, be gentle with them, you know, report mm -hmm. problems so we can keep them uh, in good shape, yes. and, and I think people will do that you know, for the most part. A place called Zipcar, promoting promoting the car share is an amenity to uh, condo owners, landlords, those sorts of things. And I, I found that interesting as a as a way to even perhaps reduce the just the whole 
number of cars in a, yeah. in a neighborhood. Absolutely, yeah, and we're having the same kinds of conversations. Yeah, Zipcar is a for-profit organization. Okay. They're, they're primarily on the East Coast, but I think, that, I mean, they're, they're expanding. They may well come to the Twin Cities someday and mm -hmm. we'll have more than one option. But yeah, it's a great concept, and we've talked with a couple different developers in the Twin Cities about uh, you know, the reason, as you mentioned, that they're interested in it, they would love to market their properties with the with yeah. the notation that, right. <coughs> excuse me, there's a car sharing hub here. Yeah. Because often condo owners are paying rent for parking space mm -hmm. or, uh, or they're, you know, it might be parking on the street in some cases if they have more than one car even. Yeah. Not only do you get a parking space with the, or, you know, you get the car too, there's a, yeah, or right. the access to a car. So I, I, in fact, I mean, to give you a specific example, I've just had a conversation with a major uh, Twin Cities developer and, and they, they wanted us to get involved. They've got a couple projects that are coming up. These are very long term. I mean, they're just in the land acquisition phase. Right. They, they happen to both be in Minneapolis. But they want to talk to us about, um, they want a car that's dedicated to just their residents. Nice. And which is great. I mean, it go, but the only caveat that we have, of course, is we still have this, we want to be financially self-supporting deal. Yeah. So we can't just put a car there if it's not used enough by the members because we have this constrained population that's going to be using it. Maybe the car is not going to be used enough from our perspective to, to make economic sense. Right. Well, somebody is going to have to subsidize that. Right. So that's what we're going to get together to talk about. And mm -hmm. I think they see enough value in marketing their property that I think they might well be willing to commit to maybe they donate a car to us and mm -hmm. you know that helps then or maybe they you know yeah there's a minimum monthly charge so if the members if their residents use the car enough fine uh, if not then they make up the difference between right. what they do use and the minimum monthly charge right. so, so again for having that dedicated to them right? exactly yeah. anytime there's a dedication like that and we've talked about that with a number of different uh, clients so to speak mm -hmm. Uh, because of that rule we have that it's got to make economic sense for our car, we can't just put a car out there and have it be used two hours a day. Right. Uh, somebody's got to commit to make up that difference so that it'll work for us. Right. Um, taking a look at the, the half dozen cars you're going to get May 1 and then the other half dozen that you'll get throughout the rest of uh, the summer, um, what sort of what sort of capacity, membership capacity, reservation capacity do you see with, the, with those numbers of cars? And at what point does it say, okay, we're going to need another car, we're going to need right. another car here? Yeah, that's, that's the tricky part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of talking to other car sharing organizations, uh, looking at the ratio of members per car is one way to kind of gauge that. And it varies a lot, anywhere from 20 up to 60 or 70 members per car. That's pretty big, though. It is, and it kind of, you know, I think it depends on what the rules for membership are. Some of these organizations don't charge monthly dues, okay. so I think they probably have a lot of members. They count them as members, but they, uh, they're not particularly active. Right. So those folks, maybe they have 50, 60 members per car because maybe only 20 or 25 are actively using the cars every week or every month. We are going to have monthly dues, so I think we're kind of we're planning on our, our ratio being more like 20 to 25. That's that's quite dramatic. It means you're saying you're taking at least 19 cars off the road on a regular basis. That's right. That's right. And that's some of the studies have shown that uh, the Philly Car Share is a nonprofit in Philadelphia. They've concluded from a member survey, I think the number is 20. I'm going to say 22 cars for every Philly Car Share they put on the road has taken 22 personally owned cars off. Wow. which is phenomenal. Talk about car sharing for business. 
From our perspective, it's absolutely critical that we get businesses involved. And when I say businesses, I mean that generically. Organizations, employers, could be government entities. I've had conversations with Ramsey County, I've had conversations with the U of M. Uh, you know, it could be nonprofits, right. and it's critical. Be, again, it gets back to that our goal that we want this to be financially sustainable. I mean, in, private individuals, of course, are mostly going to use the cars on weekends and evenings, and there's no way that we're going to generate a, enough revenue if these cars are primarily just sitting on weekdays. Right. So we got to get businesses involved. So we're talking to people that uh, you know that, that have a demand, have a need for local trips. They're visiting clients or visiting yes. construction yeah. sites or whatever. Um, and it, for, the, for pretty much the same reasons as it makes sense for private individuals, it could make sense yeah. for a business. If you are, if you have a fleet car, um, you know, you got, you're not only are you paying the direct cost of that car, the fuel, the insurance, the lease, et cetera, but you're also paying somebody to manage that car. Right. Uh, so we can, we take on all of those costs and you don't have to worry about it. Um, we can put the car, if you are willing to, if you have parking space on your property, we can put the car there. Mm -hmm. So it's very convenient for you. It can be dedicated completely for your employees. Like you talked about with uh, the um, rental agencies and what have you, the, the condo developers. That's right. It could be, we could make an arrangement where it's dedicated to your employees just during working hours. Ah. And then other times, evenings and weekends, anybody, our car member at large, could use that vehicle. That makes it a lot more palatable for us in that situation you know, we wouldn't probably have to look for a minimum monthly charge because the cars would be used enough naturally mm -hmm. that we'd get the revenue we need. Fantastic. Uh, and then, I mean, if the third option would just be your employees just use our car hub that's in your neighborhood, and just and you, and you kind of compete for time on them with all with the membership at large. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Um, last question. As, as a program manager, how are you measuring the success of, of this program? It's going. We, we actually have a partnership going with the Humphrey Institute at the U of M, okay. and they're going to be helping us uh, measure the impacts, these community benefits that have mm -hmm. been seem to be proven in other towns, other cities. I mean, all cities are different. Right. Uh, it's important that we follow up here and do the research to see. You know, what's the impact on our members' driving habits? Are they driving fewer miles? Are they biking more? Are they using transit more? Are they giving up their vehicles? Uh -huh. So these, these things that are precursors to the effects that we are looking uh -huh. for, you know, cleaner air, less traffic, less demand for parking space, meaning more green space, mm -hmm. those kinds of effects, uh, if that's not happening, right. then we have to sit back and say, well, why is, are we as a nonprofit pursuing this? Right. Um, I think they will happen, but I'm certainly not taking it for granted. So we're going to be collecting the data both you know, before and after. And can, they're going to be doing some longitudinal studies even where they follow specific members' behavior oh, wow. through the whole time. And, uh, these will obviously be volunteers that are willing to share their travel behavior information and car buying information, and it'll be great. It'll be fascinating to see Absolutely. how it's been done. I mean, there's a there's a gentleman uh, at Berkeley who's done the same kind of studies of the car sharing program in San Francisco, and it's it's uh, been really interesting. And even he's he's done a one-year impact study and a two-year impact study. Just seeing the change from year one to year two has been fascinating. Oh, fantastic. So we really want to do that and uh, you know, to keep demonstrate to ourselves that we're having a community impact. Excellent. So, Kurt, thank you for uh, you're welcome. chatting with me this, after, this morning. Um, if we want to find out about, more about our car and 
become members, where do we go? The best place to go is our website, which we're, is just about totally constructed now. It's probably about 98% done. And that's at uh, ourcar.org, and it's H-O-U-R-C-A-R.org. Excellent. If you don't have internet access, feel free to give us a call. We're at 651-221-4462. Excellent. And we can answer any questions. Great. That'll do it for this episode of First Crack. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Kurt Fisher from Our Car. Questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions. If you enjoyed the show, I want to know. If you didn't, I want to know too. Firstcrack at gmail.com for email, 20620-BEAN1 for the voicemail.